This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast with Robert Vore and Steve Austin. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Welcome to the show. My name is Robert Vore and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Taco McBellington. Taco, how's it going today, bud? <laughs> but that takes me back to Saturday Night Live and the cheerleaders. Taco, burrito, what's hanging out of your Speedo? I'm good. Oh, How are you? Man, yep, I'm, you're welcome. I'm Can't good. Can't edit that out. Well, hey, I mean, I could, but I won't. that's fine. <laughs> Uh, this is Steve Austin, my co-host. Oh, I want to tell goodness. you, this is true. That that fake name is inspired <laughs> by... Uh, I've been trying to Killing get me. my brother to start a podcast with me. A new one. I think this one's probably gone about as far as it can go. So, you know, on to bigger oh, and better. Oh, okay. Uh, right, and then. I've been trying to get my brother to start a podcast with me where every time that Taco Bell comes out with a new item, we uh, eat it and review it while recording it. And that's the whole show. Dude. How about that new one, though? Oh the my Naked gosh. Chicken Chalupa. Yes. Okay, so what that is... the literal, you know what is that? So that is what inspired the idea. And I want Ooh. you to know, we were hanging out last weekend, two weekends ago, I guess, and we went to get some Taco Bell, because it's my favorite restaurant, which, oh. go ahead with the angry tweets about that. Oh, God. But we got one, and we split Ooh. it. We cut it in half, and I want you to know, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. It tasted mm-hmm. just like a, a chicken sandwich. You're a disgusting human being. No, it just tasted like a chicken sandwich because the outside is the fried chicken and inside there's just like a little bit of ranch and tomatoes and lettuce. Here's what I want to know. You people, people like you with your body type who are able to eat crap like that and maintain your thin, slim body type (laughs) make me sick. Make me sick. I got to eat that and I would gain 12 pounds. Well, speaking and of... And want to vomit because that is pure trash. We'll never have Taco Bell as a sponsor because I hate them. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, gosh. If you want to support the show, we accept Taco Bell gift cards because that way it will all come to me and Steve won't can we please? Can we please support a Christian business with Christian chicken uh, and oh support chi- have be supported by Chick-fil-A? A Christian business. That's They're nonsense. saved. They're saved chickens. That's that's a whole separate conversation. Those chickens are going up in the rapture, Robert. My gosh. Speaking of okay, things that make you want to vomit. <laughs> yes. Uh, you tweeted from I'm the so CXMH excited. account the other day. And I just can't hide it. Yes. That you were so excited about some stuff it made you want to vomit. Not just me. We're both that excited. Don't act like you're not that excited. I just don't have that response, but that's fine. You've never I been just... so excited that you, you could just, like puke or poo your pants? Uh, I mean, I don't... This intro is taking intros to a new level. We have talked about some stuff in the last it's, three minutes. This is a weird one. It's fine. We're, yep. hit, we're hitting our stride. We're getting more yes, comfortable Yes, we here. are. All right, let's talk about some of this stuff because we have a ton of news to talk about. I mean, about. really, y'all don't skip over this. I know you people out there, some of you skip over this and go straight to the interview. Don't. You don't want to miss this. This is important crap right here. 
it is. Mostly the Taco Bell part. All right. Mm. The giveaway is still going on. The CXMH promo pack. Listen, we want to give you free books, all of which are autographed. I mean, I, it's, it's an incredible pack. You will get in this promo pack. It's still going on for one more week. You'll get an autographed copy of The Shack by Paul Young, who we talked about, or who we talked with last week. You'll get an autographed copy of Cancer is Funny by Jason Michelli from two weeks ago. You'll get uh, an autographed copy of Finding God in the Waves by Mike McCarg from three weeks ago. Hopefully I'm getting these dates right. And you'll get two books by Taco McBellington himself. <laughs> autographed copies of his best-selling book, from Pastor to a Psych Ward and his also selling book, Self Care for the Wounded Soul. <laughs> Not as best selling book. <laughs> yes. Uh, Self Care for the Wounded Soul. I will tell you, it's my favorite of the two. I know from Pastor to a Psych Ward sold more, but Self Care for the Wounded Soul is my favorite of the two. But anyway, yes, you'll get all of those. Can we talk about how much I love an autographed book? Uh, there's something about it that makes it a whole <sighs> new level, I think. I know it's just a dude with a pen scratch his name out, but I'm like, man, that's, it's just, it's so cool to me. So I hope that people are as excited about the possibility of winning these books as I am about giving them these For books. Real. I think this is, and this, I mean, five books, that's a big, that's a huge prize, huge yeah. prize pack is what that is. Absolutely. Here's what you need to do to enter. You need to go on iTunes, drop us a review. It can be an honest review. We're not going to disqualify you if you give us one star, although, you know, maybe don't do that. We would prefer five. Write us an honest review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to cxmhpodcast at gmail.com. We have a handful of entries and don't so forget. far, but... Don't forget, you got to subscribe to the newsletter. Ooh, That's there in there, you too. you got to subscribe to the newsletter. newsletter. So do that. Go to um, cxmhpodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter as well. So if you have submitted a review on iTunes and you haven't taken a screenshot of it and emailed it to us, do that. If you've already emailed your screenshot of the review to us but you have not subscribed to the email newsletter, do that because if you've done one and not the other, you don't qualify. Denied. There you go. Hey, speaking of iTunes or I guess places you can listen to this, the show is now available on Google Play. If that's how you listen to your podcasts, uh, someone suggested that on on Twitter. Someone tweeted at me, and so I figured that out real quick and got it approved and everything. So if if you've been listening to this just in the browser or something because you don't you know you want to listen on Google Play, you can do that through whatever podcasting app there is there. I I don't know for sure, but it's available there as well. All right, awesome. Speaking of cxmhpodcast.com, which you just referenced, sure. There is, I'm excited about this, a brand new, fully functional, standalone website. I'm pumped about it. Wow! Do you hear him screaming? Yes. It's okay. crazy. While we're recording this, even though it's not released yet, all these people started cheering right outside. The th- I know, it's amazing. In both Atlanta and Birmingham. Yep. All it's standing crazy. in line for Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, man. that's our, our next giveaway is a naked chicken chalupa. Oh! <laughs> Just one. We're going to mail it to you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it won't taste any different. I guess uh, they're a week what, later. Whatever. Gag. Hey, ta- so, Taco Bell executives that I know listen to this, we would love your sponsorship. <laughs> Ignore this guy. Send us the money. Oh, man. That's please great. do. And send me an adult diaper so I can wear it when I'm done eating it. <laughs> I'm concerned about your medical well-being with the 
frequency with which your bodily functions Oh happen. my gosh. I hope our listeners like potty humor because today they are getting a crap load. Go ahead. We're, guys, <sighs> we're recording this the Friday before the Monday it's released. And I want you to know that we apologize for both just being in a Friday mood, you know? Oh my goodness. It has been a week. Wow. It has been a week. What else do we have to talk about, Robert? Well, from the new website, you can access our Patreon account. Now, this part's going to sound what? this part's going to sound maybe like some kind of commercial, but here's here's really what I want to say. We love doing this podcast. At least I do. Steve, do you love doing this podcast? I mean, you know, it's cool. <laughs> I love this podcast. I freaking love this podcast. Let me tell you why I love this podcast. I love this podcast cuz I love you, dude. You can't have my bud, Aww. but I love you, dude. And it's so, you know what, this is a blast. We get to talk about what we're passionate about. And in doing so, we hopefully get to help some people. We get to encourage people. Hopefully we get to make some people laugh. We might gross some people out. (laughs) But for me, man, to do what you love, to talk about what you believe in and have fun while you're doing it, heck yeah, it's awesome. No, absolutely. But comma space, it takes some time. It takes some, uh, you know, it takes time for us to set up the conversations, to have the conversations, to edit the conversations, to build websites, to, you know, all this type of stuff, as well as it takes, uh, I mean, money, just to be frank about it, to host a website and to to host a podcast and, you know, all that. There's a very real business side of this thing. And unfortunately, it's just coming out of our pockets right now. Yeah. So if you enjoy this show if you think it's beneficial if you like the conversations we're having and think that it's a you know a good thing for people to be hearing um if you agree with our message or if you just think we're funny we would love for you to help us out you can go to cxmh.com support uh, that'll take you right to our patreon where you can sign up to to help us out just a little bit each month you can give one dollar a month if that's you know all you've got which is fine with us you can give five dollars you can give twenty dollars you can give a thousand dollars whatever it is that you think this show is worth at the moment or you think that you can you can spare to help us out would be fantastic it would help us recoup some of what we've put into the hosting and and all that and it will help justify the amount of time that I know we both spend on this kind of extracurricularly, if that's a word, right? Sure. And, well, you know, and the other thing that it will help us do, it will help us recoup some money because we have spent some money and we would like to spend some more money. Mm. We want to do this bigger. Yep. We want to do this better. We want to reach more people. Um, but we have families to support and we have rent to pay just like you do. And we're getting to a point where it's getting a little bit expensive. Yeah. Um, not that we don't love it, but we just we know that there are people out there who believe in what we're doing and want to support it in a financial way. And so we want to give you that opportunity. If you can't give a dime, that is okay. We are so thrilled that you're here, and we want you to keep listening. But Absolutely. if you have the ability to give a little something-something, then, hey, we sure do appreciate it. And we and. appreciate it so much that we're going to give you a little something for it. Yeah. So on the Patreon, there are options for rewards, and you can sign up for one of three levels currently. So you can go in there and click and give any amount that you want, or you can sign up for one of three levels that we have set up to give you a reward. The first level is the Wink Dinkerman level. You're going to appreciate these <laughs> levels uh, if you've been a regular listener. That is $5 a month, just $5 a month. Oh, why do I let you do this? Because it's funny. Mm, it is funny. So the first level is Wink Dinkerman level. It's $5. Also known as the $5 make you holler level. Ooh, maybe I'll add that. <laughs> I don't know. There's The second level is a $10 a month level, 
That is the Jim Bob Dingerdean level. <laughs> and then there's a $25 a month level that is the Taco McBellington level. So you can sign up for one of those three because those three will get you some rewards. And this is probably the biggest announcement we've got. We won't do a drum roll. Steve, what is the reward? This is what made you want to vomit. This is what made me want to vomit. Y'all, we've written a book. Whoop, whoop. I mean, I'm kind of excited about that. We have compiled a collection of essays. Uh, this comes from – there's some original content in there. There are There's blog content that we've both written, but we have um, compiled a book of essays, and I'm so excited. The title of our little ebook is I Love Jesus, But Embracing the Tension Between Faith and Mental Health. I'm excited about it. It's stuff you've written. It's stuff I've written, and we've put it together in this concise way that flows really nicely. And so some examples are, I love Jesus, but my pastor doesn't get it. I love Jesus, but my relationships are suffering. Uh, there's several more of them. I think there's seven sections um, of just different ways that we are learning to embrace the tension between faith and mental health and find Jesus in the midst of that struggle. I think it is very helpful. It is very honest. It is very raw and vulnerable, but I think it's hopeful and helpful. And our good friend, James Prescott, who we're going to have on uh, the show very soon, has just written a brand new book called Mosaic of Grace. Uh, just was released here a couple of weeks ago, and he has written the foreword for this uh, little ebook. So if you want to get a copy of that book, sign up for a recurring contribution to the show on Patreon at the $5 level or higher, and we will email you a link to download a copy of this book. Yeah. So if you sign up at the $5 level, the Wink Dinkerman level, you will get access to the free download of the ebook. You'll get a PDF of it. You can read it however you want to. If you sign up for the Jim Bob Dingerdean level, the $10 level, it's so hard to describe these in a serious tone. <laughs> the Jim Bob Dingerdean level, the $10 level, you will get that ebook emailed to you, but you will also get a printed copy mailed to your door. If you sign up for the Taco McBellington level, the $25 level, you will get both of those. You'll get the ebook emailed right to you, and you'll get the printed copy delivered right to your door. But it will be signed by both of us with a little note in there about how much we like you. Booyah. So, exciting stuff. It is exciting. The other thing that we failed to mention, then we got to start this episode, yeah. is uh, that when you sign up for the newsletter, we have just added a faith and mental health manifesto. Uh, so it's just uh, it's a manifesto. It's a list of affirmations. Call it what you want, but it's sort of the truth about what we believe as guys who are trying to be faithful and also living with mental health issues and struggles. So I sign up for the newsletter and you get that as a free, it's a printable download. You download it, you can print it out, put it on your desk, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your locker, whatever you want to do. But it's just a, it's just a manifesto and I think you're really going to like it. So when you sign up for the newsletter at cxmhpodcast.com, you'll get it. Yeah. 
Hey, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. We want you to interact with us so you can tweet at us. If you print that manifesto off, snap a picture of it wherever you've put it and send it to us. We would love to see that. If you have show topic suggestions, guest suggestions, if you have suggestions of funny names that I should call Steve, <laughs> tweet all of those at us. You can find us on social media at CXMH Podcast. We want you guys to feel like you're a part of this because you are. Wouldn't be possible without you. So... This episode, we need to get into it because it's a great episode. This is the first in episodes that we want to do kind of highlighting specific mental health struggles, things like that. So this is our episode on bipolar disorder. We have two great guests. We have Gabe Howard, who's the host of the Psych Central podcast. And then we have Nate Crawford, who a lot of you know probably from here, here. Uh, he was involved in some the Twitter chat that we did a while back and things like that. So let's go ahead, roll right into it. They're fantastic guests. You got anything else? Enjoy it. You're going to love it. Stay in touch. We'll talk to you guys soon. Here we go. Love, peace, and chicken grease. All right. Well, we're here today. Obviously, as always, my co-host Steve Austin is here, and we have two fantastic guests today. I'll just go ahead and introduce you guys kind of one by one. So our first guest is Nate Crawford who some of you know from his work with Here Here. He's the executive director of Here Here, which is an organization giving hope to those affected by mental illness. He lives in northern Indiana with his wife and three sons. He has a PhD in theology. He's a former pastor, so he has some of that faith background. He lives with bipolar 2 disorder and an anxiety disorder. Nate, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Fantastic. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. And then our second guest today is Gabe Howard, who, depending on your podcast listening, you might also know from the Psych Central podcast. He's the host of that show, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but he's a professional speaker, award-winning writer, and mental health coach who battles bipolar 1 disorder and anxiety disorders. It's his mission to put a human face on what it means to live with bipolar disorder He's the recipient of all sorts of awards here. I won't run through the list, but it's extensive for his work writing and speaking about mental illness. Gabe, welcome to the show to you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I had to put down a bunch of awards because I didn't have a PhD, so I wanted to compete. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) No competing. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, neither Steve nor I have a PhD or really any awards, although Steve has a best-selling book, so really, I'm just the guy. Oh, man. man. Poor, poor yeah, Robert. Yeah. Poor Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Robert's okay. the smart one of the two, so he gets all the credit for that. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. All right, so today we are talking about bipolar disorder. This is our first in a handful of episodes where we'll be Instead of focusing necessarily on a certain topic, we'll be focusing on certain disorders, which I guess is its own type of topic. But So we thought we would invite both you guys on. You're both great advocates in the mental health arena, and you both are diagnosed with bipolar disorders, Nate with bipolar 2 and Gabe with bipolar 1. So what I kind of thought, because we believe it's, it's important for people to have all the information, right? Because a lot of mental health disorders, things like that, a lot in this realm, people just kind of have a, a cursory knowledge of. But then we also believe, we've talked multiple times on the show about hearing people's stories and how that positively impacts uh, the individual's view of things, their community's view, things like that. So I thought we'd start off with kind of an overview, getting some of the actual facts about the different types of bipolar, things like that, and then roll into both of y'all's stories. Does that work? Works for me. Good for me. Perfect. Party on, party people. Let's do it. 
So as far as the knowledge base, I'm rolling with the DSM-5 over here, which I know some people have qualms with, but for, for the moment, it's the, the standard in the mental health realm. So that's my best source of information. So there's kind of three main disorders under the bipolar and related section. There's bipolar disorder one, bipolar two disorder, and then cyclothymic disorder. Bipolar one, because it's listed first. Gabe, you're diagnosed with bipolar one, correct? I am. Can you give us kind of a rundown of what that looks like? Well, it it looks ugly, uh, de- depending on where you're standing, I suppose. So, so bipolar disorder is kind of a spectrum illness. A lot of people say that bipolar disorder is is happy or sad, and or I'm sorry, uh, depressed or happy, and that's that's kind of it's kind of oversimplifying it. I'll put it that way. So bipolar disorder is all the way from suicidal depression. That's literally where you're worthless and you want to die. Most people can grasp that concept all the way up to godlike mania. Uh, that is where, you know, you think that the world begins and ends with you and it's consequence free and nothing can hurt you. And you're just, you're just amazing. And then everything in between. So, uh, I'm not a clinician, I'm not a doctor, but I believe that the big difference between bipolar one and bipolar two is the level of mania, which one can achieve. Um, so if, if anybody wants to jump in and, and add to that, I would appreciate it. But, uh, to say what it looks like, it, it, it looks, it looks ugly. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of devastating. I mean, one minute, everything's fine. One minute you're king of the world. And, uh, one minute you you want to you know die you you want to literally kill yourself in in you know to to put it bluntly and you really can cycle that fast but whether it's one day one week one month i mean all of those emotions are are present in one person and uh, for the people around you they just don't know what to think uh they like you when you're fine maybe they're excited when you're manic they're kind of scared when you're depressed and uh, the whole thing is kind of packaged in this unreliable, unpredictable kind of person. And uh, people don't tend to like their friends to be unreliable. So it's it's just kind of a mess. Yeah, so, I was going to go along with that. It sounds too like, Gabe, do you rapid cycle? Uh, when I was untreated, I, I kind of did a bunch of everything. There was okay. a... Uh, but yes, yeah, I, I had rapid cycling um, for a bit of time. I also had, you know, a year where I was just manic, uh, and it, it was it was uh, on one hand it was amazing, but on the other hand it was it was devastatingly awful. Uh, and then I had months where I was depressed, so I, I sort of just had every bad thing rolled into one. And I really honestly believe that that I was diagnosed very late for somebody with. I didn't get diagnosed until I was 25 years old, which the the average age for diagnosis is like 16 to 24. So I was a year outside of that. So I was just able to just. I I think that the average person would have gotten diagnosed much sooner and probably been able to avoid uh, some of the hell I went through. But but I was special, so well, I, no, I waited and- longer. And I was diagnosed at 31. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that sucks. I had kids. Yeah. In my life. Uh, uh, but yeah, the rapid cycling, if you don't know, rapid cycling is where you do, you actually go from manic or depressed to manic or depressed, like in the, in like a couple days is what it seems like, or, or quickly you'll cycle through these, these, uh, depressive states or manic states. And it can be really, it can be hell because you don't know where you're going to be at. It's almost like a, a ping pong ball, like just bouncing around and it, it lands somewhere and you go. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then you have mixed states where are, you can be simultaneously like hypomanic and depressed and that's its own drug. So, 
it, it's really a the. I really wish that there. I, I have a billion, billion, billion examples uh, of these great analogies that I've come up with over the years to try to describe this to people. But it really is uh, a mixed state. Is kind of like being super confident that you're depressed and worthless, and that's that's the best way that I can describe a, a mixed state. Because well, now, wait a minute. How how is super confidence and and depressed and worthless? How do they go together? Uh, but somehow, in 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 the bipolar brain, it, it all just man manages to, to to just mix in there and that's what we're left with and the people around us are just so utterly confused because our actions will not necessarily match our words and or our words not match our actions depending on how you choose to see it and, and it's just people just they go away they're just like you know what we give up we don't want to be around you you are you are a problem. And of course, that just makes the sick person now isolated and alone. Uh, we take that very personally. So, you know, now our friends are disappearing, our families are disappearing, and, and we have no idea what's going on. Somebody mentioned it there, the spectrum levels there. Bipolar 1 alternates between fully depressed moods and fully manic episodes. Bipolar 2 alternates between major depressive moods and hypomanic episodes, which isn't quite as extreme as full manic, and then cyclothymic disorder, from my understanding of the DSM, and I'm not a mental health professional yet, but are periods that neither side of the spectrum quite meet either of those criteria, but they're still fluctuating more than someone who isn't experiencing these disorders. I think we touched briefly on that, but just to give some, some definitions there, that's my understanding of what the DSM has to say about these. I can't even spell DSM, but okay, that's awesome. Uh, no, the so I, you know, I'm the I'm the storyteller guy. I want to know the I want to know the experience. Like uh, all the DSM stuff is great and very important and, and all that, but I want to know real life. What is that? What does that look like? Feel like on a day to day basis when um, when you talk about people finding you unreliable or when you're depressed, being scared, or when you're manic, maybe being a little scared too. You know, all of those things. So I. I know people who are bipolar one and I know people who are bipolar two. And I, I'm thinking of a particular friend who is bipolar. And if I'm just being gut level honest, yes, for me from the outside looking in, it is very scary at times because I don't know what to do, how to respond, what they need from me, if anything. And, um, so I would love to know from both of you guys, what do you what do you want from your support system? Friends, family, um, those folks that are not your your um, not the professionals in your life, but just you know the folks that care about you. What do you want from us? Well, mostly for me, it's just when everything hits the fan, and when, and it does. I mean, like if you're going to love somebody with bipolar disorder, it's going to get ugly at times and it's going to get very ugly, but, um, and even like medicated and stuff, I still have pretty dark depressions. My depression is really, it can be really bad. Uh, my hypomania isn't, isn't, I, I just have lots of ideas and I go and I write and write and write for like three or four days and nothing makes sense. So knowing that at the end of that, like, you know, when I come out of the depression or when I come out of the, the, the mania, like that someone's going to be there and then we'll pick the pieces up and go about our day. You know, that's what, I mean, my, my wife is, ba is basically there to, to put things back together that I break at certain times. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree with that answer. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, there, there's really not much to say other than that. I, I, 
I suppose I wish my support system had a cure for bipolar disorder. <laughs> maybe, maybe like a shot. I, I also think that if my support system had a couple of million dollars, that that would be, <laughs> that would be very helpful. Uh, but, but in, in, in all seriousness, there's, there's, I, I would like some understanding and I, I would like them to hold me accountable. Uh, my support system does. I, I, I have this fond saying and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to clean it up as, as much as I can uh, because, you know, I know we've got a religious backing, but uh, no, mental no, illness. No, just go for it. It's oh, all right. Yes. Please don't filter yes. No. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, Mental illness doesn't give you permission to be an asshole. Uh, you, oh my God, it's the quote of the day. Yeah. And uh, it, it's not to say that you won't accidentally do asshole things, but this doesn't absolve you of apologizing for it. And I use the example of, you know, if you're driving your car and you're, you're, you're chugging along in your little car and you have a seizure. Now the seizure is not your fault. It's a freak accident. You had no idea. And you smack into the back of somebody's car and the guy gets out and say, Hey, why did you hit my, and then he realizes you're having a seizure. So he comes over, he gives you medical care. The ambulance comes, the squad comes and, and takes you to the hospital and your life is all saved. And the guy comes to the hospital and visits you and you look at him and you say, Hey, it's not my fault. It's not my fault I hit your car. I don't even owe you an apology. It's not my fault. I had a seizure. That's just nature. That would just make you a jerk. Uh, you should thank the person for helping you. You should apologize for hitting the car, and you should pay for it. Those are just reasonable things to do. Yeah, it's not your fault, and the, the person that you rear-ended should have some understanding of that and you know, maybe not ask for you to pay for the car You know, while you're like in the back of the squad. That would be reasonable, decent human behavior. But as soon as you get back on your feet... You know, apologies and restitution are are in order. And I work with a lot of people with mental illness that are just, you know, they're they're sort of at the beginning of their journey. And they're like, well, it's not my fault I have mental illness, so I owe nobody an apology. And I'm like, look, it might not be your fault, but it's not their fault either. So this is just your burden to bear. And that's that's how we have to go. Yeah, I think that's really important because there are a lot of apologies that you that you have to make and and then I make on a, you know, not a constant basis, but when I get sick, you know, just certain basis, like, you know, I missed a birthday party and I'm sorry, I, I couldn't get out of bed, but you know, it's still on me that I, that I missed my niece's party or that I missed or that, uh, you know, I was too wound up to calm down and, and come home one night or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I still owe people apologies that, that, and, and they may know where I'm at or what's going on, but they still, it hurts. It still stings them and they still, deserve something from me especially when i'm not especially when i've come back down or i've come back up and they and i'm in somewhat you know a normal state yeah and listen i i, I want to be the first to to say that there's there's nothing worse in the universe than having to apologize for something that you didn't that you don't want i mean having to apologize for the things that happened while i was depressed or manic i mean there's 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 just a special kind of suffering in having to do that. There there really really is, but it is the way that I take the control back. Uh, it is the way that I take responsibility for what I did, and uh, y you know it's I I want my support system to know that I I've really taken so much responsibility that I've I've taken responsibility for the things that aren't my fault, and, and I hope that they give me credit for that, and that the people that are still around in my life, I mean they they really think wow you know Gabe's a really good guy. He even apologizes for things that aren't his fault, uh, because he accepts that they're his responsibility. And I, I think this is why I have such really good friends that are willing to put up with, you know, some of the things that I have put them through over the years because they think, man, 
at the end of the day, when it all balances out, you know, Gabe's a pretty decent guy. He doesn't make excuses. And, you you know, hopefully that gets them through that. I didn't show up at their birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nate, I think you mentioned it there for a second. Uh, Would either of you be willing to share with us a little bit about your experiences with medication? Did it do they help? How long did it take you to find the right one? That type of thing? Uh, I won't tell you the medications I'm on just because I've found that that can lead to people being like, oh, I know that this person's on, you know, X. Now, I am on lithium and everybody who has bipolar, it seems, is on lithium of some sort or or something like that. Uh, And I it took me about three years to find a good medication combo uh, to finally kind of put it over the top. So that's about average what it was. And yeah, it was and it was really awful trying to find meds because you keep thinking that this might work or this may be the, the medication and then you're you're on it for a few weeks and then you're hoping that it's working and then it may not be working and so then you take it off of it. Yeah, and uh, I had the and I have the blessing of I don't metabolize a whole bunch of SSRIs for some reason. So uh, and it finally took a genetic testing to find that out. So that was a real blessing, uh, I guess. Uh, and I don't and I don't metabolize a number of anxiety pills either so i'm kind of on my own when it comes to the anxiety at times Hmm. so yeah the medication part has been it's been really helpful my meds help me tremendously they 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 allow me to function basically every day and day in day out but uh the process of getting there was um it was interesting it was unkind at times and it was um it was difficult so here's what i want to know i want to go sort of the uh, maybe a difficult route for a minute. And if this is triggering or difficult to talk about, then we won't do it. But I would love to know from either one or both of you guys, maybe some of the more difficult things or reactions that you've experienced from people. If they find out that you're bipolar or they, um, they encounter you on a, a particularly bad day. What are some of those things that you've experienced that maybe people need to know about? Hmm. Oh man, where where to start? I I was fired from a job, and uh, I was fired from a job when I was sick and needed both the money and the health insurance that that job provided. So that kind of left me in a a pretty bad state. So in in many ways, I I think that might have been the worst one, just because of how detrimental it could have been to me getting health care. You know what, with not having access to health insurance and money, so that was pretty bad. Yeah. I would say so. My goodness. Yeah. The, uh, the other one that sticks out in, in my mind was, uh, after diagnosis, I, I like kids. I have always liked kids. I don't have any of my own, but, uh, you know, I'm like everybody's favorite uncle. I have so many people that call me uncle Gabe, so many, so many kids. And, you know, some of my friends, they didn't want me to be around their kids anymore alone. And I was just like, based on what? And they're just like, you know, look, we, we just, we just can't let a mentally ill guy, around our kids. Mm. And, you know, I was, I, on one hand, I, I, I did have this modicum of understanding. I mean, you, you shouldn't use your children to, to make a political point or, I mean, if you're uncomfortable with it, I, I guess you got to stand up. They're your kids, but there was no evidence of, of anything. There was just their misunderstanding and, and, you know, that, that kind of stunk. Uh, it, it, to, that's that's really all I can say about that. That that one hurt a lot because they're people that I'd known for a long time and I love their kids and now they're saying that hey, I'm I'm too dangerous to be around them because I was diagnosed with an illness. 
the horror. Uh, so that right. was tough. Yeah, and I think I've ex- I've experienced the kids thing. Like I have three kids. My oldest is ten. My uh, second is six, and the youngest is four. And I've actually been the one to stay home with them since they were born. So my wife works, and I stayed home while I was doing my research for my PhD. And so like I've always been around the kids, but. Uh, since I've been diagnosed, it's interesting because it, it's, it was, it was interesting because like the day before I got diagnosed, I could have watched all these people's kids. You know, it would have been a big deal. Like they would have had their kids over at our house playing and that kind of stuff. The day after I was diagnosed, it was like, Hey, maybe we should all just get together as families or maybe you should be supervised or maybe like, and it's just like, yeah, and then part of the part of the, what comes with my bipolar is extreme agitation. I just get extremely annoyed with people, and so I have a tendency to uh, bite people's heads off or to. And I, I did throw something across the room once at a different person. It was in college, uh, and I think it was a it was a, it was an episode. But um, that kind of stuff where you get really, I, I get really agitated, and then I start to say things that are really hurtful. And so I've had to kind of pick those pieces up at times. And so with the kids thing and the hurtful thing, I I remember being in a bad spot and just being like, fine, take your little brats. I don't, I don't need them around and stuff like that. And it didn't go over real well. That was, that was one of those things that my wife had to uh, pick up the pieces on and stuff. Um, Salvage, salvage relationships, which is important. Man, I I can't even, uh, I mean, I, I do get it from the, so I have, um, general anxiety and depression, um, you know, and have, have lived through a, a suicide attempt and that kind of stuff. So I, I do know some of the stigma, but I don't know. It just seems like, and maybe, maybe it's just my own incorrect assumption, but it seems to me that living with bipolar and the stigma around it is a little stronger maybe than, um, anxiety or depression because lots of people understand anxiety lots of people understand maybe uh you know having a down day but this whole bipolar thing it seems to me that it's more stigmatized than maybe some of the others has that has that been your experience would you guys agree with that or disagree i agree with that there's like a mental illness hierarchy right uh (laughs) there's there's like the mental illnesses that nobody cares about and then there's the mental illnesses that everybody thinks they're ha- they have and then we get into the mental illnesses that you know start to get dangerous and and bipolar is the one that people think uh is is in the dangerous category in, in actuality and this is very important for people to hear none of them are in the dangerous category people with mental illness are much more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrate violence Uh, Now, that's not to say that that nobody with a mental illness has ever committed a crime. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that we really should be doing more to protect people with mental illness from being victims than we need to protect the general public from mentally ill people. Uh, So it's... It's tough. We really, truly believe that all violence is committed by mentally ill people, and that's that's just false. It's it's completely false. Yeah, if you if you watch the news, so like a lot of my uh, some of my doctoral work is in communication studies, and watching the way that like um, the news as soon as there's a mass shooting, it's almost like the next question is what mental illness does this person suffer from, and then you and then you you get into like bipolar, schizophrenia, something like that, and you're like, and so then that's the image that people have. So a friend of mine and I were sitting down. He was he's from the army. He has PTSD. I have bipolar. We're sitting down having beers. 
at a local watering hole and this and there was a mass shooting and this guy walks up and goes man the bartender walks up and goes man that kid must have had ptsd or bipolar or something can you believe what these people are doing what what is going on in the world we got to get these mentally ill people off the streets and here you know he's saying this to someone who has bipolar and saying it to somebody else who has ptsd and so that stigma is is definitely there and especially for it's almost like there's a propensity to violence on our part. And that's it's sad because Gabe's totally right. Like we're we're victims more than we're not. So what's really sad, of course, it, everything that you just said, 100 percent agree with. I, I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the soapbox right there with you. Uh, but of course, what makes life even worse is that people will do anything to sort of uh, bolster the opinion that they already had. You know, for example, one of the shooters, um, I, I don't want to give any any um, advertising to it, but one of the prominent shooters that we talked about uh, had autism. He was autistic. And they said, see, mental illness. Well, now, wait a minute. We, we don't consider autism to be in the mental illness spectrum. We consider that to be developmentally disabled. And, and I don't even know that that's true. So I don't, you know, please don't write me angry letters. But what I do know as a mental health advocate is that autism is, is something different. It, it's not in the mental illness category. Uh, but because there was violence involved, they just decided for the sake of that news story to just go ahead and scooch it over. We'll just, we'll just go ahead and scooch it over. And, and it's just, it, it's those little, you know, nudges and scooches and stuff like that that just really makes the misinformation spread because they'll find a way to get you into that mental illness spectrum if if, if violence is concerned. And, and then, of course, there's my favorite. Well, you'd have to be mentally ill to do something like that. I mean, you just have to be normal. People don't do that. Well, you know, now you can just justify everything. I mean, there, there's just no end. Now logic is out the window. Everything is mental illness. Just forget it. it it's it's the Wild West. And, and that's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah, and at the risk of delving into a whole other topic, I would say that those are the types of things that we use to talk about perpetrators of violence if they're of a certain, if they're a middle-class white person, you know? Otherwise, we can lump it into terrorism or something else. Oh. But if it's, you know, if it's middle-class white people, then, all right, let's slap a mental illness on it so that we can somehow get around that. Yeah, we see this in, the, the, the media is, uh, you, you've hit my second favorite topic after mental health. But yeah, the media will scoot you wherever they need you to go. Uh, you know, middle-class white is mental illness, lower-class... Um, you, you know, not white is, is terrorism. Uh, if you're an immigrant, it's terrorism. If you're local, if you're born in America, you're a thug. I mean, they'll, they'll find the affiliation to pigeonhole you right where you need to go. And, uh, this is problematic because it, it just reinforces the stereotype. So, you know, when the public believes this, why wouldn't they? They're, they're hearing it from, you know, people that we consider authority figures and the people that they're supposed to know. So I can't necessarily get mad at the general public for having this misunderstanding. Uh, although I, you know, I, I don't know who else to be mad at. Educate yourselves, people. Yeah, and kind of along the same lines, uh, just a, a quick timing thing is 
as we speak, I think a movie came out either, you know, this past weekend or the weekend before or something like that called Split, where it's, you know, a guy with split personalities and, of course, half of them are all sorts of, you know, murderers and things like that, or maybe just the one is the murderer or whatever. But, again, those seem to be the only types of representations of various mental illnesses that we see in, you know, media or movies or TV shows or whatever because it's drama-filled, and I understand that, but it seems to be if that is the only representation of mental illness that you see then of course that's where your mind goes is linking those things which leads to some of the stigma that we've been talking about here exactly the the other popular uh, trope that we see is that people with mental illness are quirky and fun we're really good detectives <laughs> we are fun we're a little unpredictable <laughs> <laughs> man if i was a good enough detective i would be doing something else with my life <laughs> amen so yeah. let me ask, because both of you guys are in kind of the mental health advocacy roles now, right? Uh, Gabe, you host the Psych Central podcast, and you write and speak and things like that. Nate, you run here, here, as well as writing and hosting a podcast. Uh, what is that transition like? Because we've talked about kind of some of the, the initial reactions that people have when you've come out, so to speak, with mental illness or been public about it. Gabe, I know you mentioned that you were fired from a job. You shared that story on your, your podcast, uh, I think, last week or two weeks ago, which which is a fantastic listen, by the way. You should all go listen to that. But either one of you, what is that transition like or what inspired you to move into that, knowing full well the types of reactions that people tend to have? Uh, so I kind of fell into it. Well, not really. Okay. So when I was diagnosed, I was working in a church and I went to the pastor and I said, Hey, I've just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and anxiety disorder. And he said, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Mm. And I said, why not? And he's like, just do not tell anybody. They'll judge you. Um, it's, this will be a problem. So don't tell anybody. So I didn't tell anybody for like two and a half or three years. And then I finally got to the point where I was you know, like living life and like my, and my friends couldn't know, or people could I was just kind of like, screw this. And so I started to tell people and I was like, Hey, I'm telling people I'm going out. And as I started to share my story, I saw other people attach onto that and begin to find uh, camaraderie. They, they were able to commiserate that kind of stuff. And, and then actually the pastor and I had a, had a, a bit of a, a blow up. He, I, I told him, Hey, I'm depressed. I can't go. And part of my job was visiting uh, nursing homes. I said, I'm going to do some other stuff. I can't visit a nursing home this week. Like I'm just not in the, in the right frame of mind. And he just, he flat out told me, I don't care what's wrong with you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care. I don't care about you. I need you to go do this. I'm people are on my back about it. And I said, well, really, this is your job. Like, this is just something I've picked up because you don't do it. And anyway, so then we started here, here. And, uh, and, uh, and with the idea that it would be about, uh, being open and honest with people. Um, and in, in my hometown in the last two years, we've had two semi-prominent students die by suicide. And so like my town is, is, is in a really, really strong, like, uh, denial at times, and then hungry for actually being able to talk about these issues. And so we've been able to uh, get out and, and do that. And that's, and so that's when my transition is that I, I run into people who think I'm, who literally are just like, well, you're just nuts. And it's like, okay. And then I run into people who are like, thank you so much for what you're doing. This is really great. And, and that's probably much more so than the, the your nuts thing, but it's, that's kind of where I'm at. And that's kind of the transition that I took was I started to talk about these issues 
and I have some friends and I who all battle mental illness, and we said, hey, we should get together and do stuff so that there are resources and there's stuff available for people so that they don't have to go through this alone. And so that's what we've we've done. Fantastic. I love it when people find a need and meet it, and especially when it's a need that comes out of an, your own personal wound. Yeah, my wound is it's still pretty 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 thick there uh, at times, but uh, it's gotten better and and uh, and we still try to work with we still try to work with churches and stuff. And what's amazing is churches like I have a lot of friends that are pastors, like a lot of friends on Facebook and stuff like that. And they'll be like, "Man, that's really great what you're doing, but we don't need it. We don't have any people with mental illness, or we don't have that problem here." And I'm just like, "You you do you do?" And you're saying that is actually what the problem is, and it doesn't seem to. It doesn't seem to be getting through, or, or there's a severe disconnect for the pastoral world in what actually needs to be done and what needs to be encountered and stuff. I don't know what I don't know why that is. I mean, you take counseling, you you know, you do some pastoral work in, in seminary, but um, and in, encountering people like you know, you encounter people that are, have mental illness, but it's like we ignore it or something. So. Yeah, Gabe, what about you? How did you get into advocacy world, writing, speaking, things like that? Because you worked in computers, correct? Yeah. That's yeah, a super started, vague way of saying that. But. <laughs> I, I, I started out in IT, and I always joke that uh, for, for the older members of the, of the audience, I was in computers in the late 90s, and that was before the tech boom, when the internet first started. And if you could spell the word computer, they just handed you buckets of cash. It, it wasn't like now where every four-year-old knows how to use, you know, the most advanced technology. There was, there wasn't a lot of people that understood how to do this stuff. So I was, I, it was, it was a great time to be in the IT field. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's one of the things that led to me being diagnosed so late because people didn't understand that you could both be mentally ill and have money. Uh, they thought since I was making money and had a job, I must therefore be fine. And, you know, this is this is not the reality at all. But I, I fell into it in much the same way. You know, it, it's kind of funny. Every time I talk to people that are doing, you know, high level advocacy work, they all pretty much have the same story. And it, it goes uh, along, you know, these lines. Uh, I was kind of keeping my mouth shut, but I wanted to kind of give back. I wanted to volunteer. So I started telling people uh, for me, I started volunteering at a local mental health charity uh, they had me do some stuff. It kind of felt good to be out around uh, those folks. Then one day they asked me to give a speech, kind of tell my story. It was the first public speech that I ever gave on living with mental illness. And I got a standing ovation. And in my entire career, I've received two standing ovations. So the first one and then one other one. And uh, I, I kind of caught the bug from there. And I decided uh, that I wanted to be a speaker and I wanted to write about it. And I just, I, I went along as a volunteer for a long time, uh, a really long time. And uh, eventually uh, it got to the point where I realized that there, there's this idea that when you're volunteering, you're doing it for free. And that's actually not true. When you're volunteering, it, you're, you're paying to do something because things like websites, business cards, traveling to and from, uh, you know, these things aren't free. So I was paying all of this stuff out of pocket and I finally realized that, you know, I needed to eat. So, uh, I made the decision sort of to transition over and, and I was able to, to do so. And, uh, you, you know, it, it's been fantastic being paid to do what you love, but the, the quick answer is I, I fell into it. I, I just kind of, I just kind of fell into it. 
So I guess I'm good at it. <laughs> well, I think we've had some fantastic conversations. Steve, do you have any other questions uh, that you would like to hear from, from these guys? And I, I don't know that. No, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I, I just appreciate you guys sharing your time and your stories um, with us with such honesty. And um, yeah, thank you very, very much. Hey, man, it's I, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to meet Gabe too. I, you know, I see him on Twitter, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to follow him on Twitter. I, do I follow you on Twitter already, Gabe? I know there's there's a few thousand people there, so oh, uh, <laughs> oh, oh a humble brag there. My, just my, my, oh. I mean, there's not ten thousand, but but uh, but hopefully anybody that wants to, it's at Gabe Howard twenty nine. Please, please, please follow me. I, uh, I I try to post you know stuff that I write and and happy stuff. That, that's really kind of my thing. You know, it's the, it's the positivity of mental illness, and it, it's not to say that oh, mental illness is awesome and I love it. It's not to say that. It's just. I think that people spend a lot of time, you know, bemoaning their circumstances and how awful it is. And and make no mistake, it, it is awful and it's a terrible circumstance to be in. But I think we can take a little bit of power back where we're like, okay, this is the awful thing that is happening to us. And this is the positive thing that we're going to take from it. And if we don't take that positive thing from it, then we're just left with the awful thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not okay with just being left with the awful thing. I, I got to find a way to make uh, lemonade out of lemons here. Yeah, I, I yeah, I fully agree with you, and that's that's one of the reasons I started following you is because your your stuff is positive. It does make lemon out of lemonades uh, or makes lemonade out of lemons, and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. So I highly encourage everybody to follow Gabe. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Yeah. No, absolutely. If you want to hear more from these guys, you can connect with them. As Gabe said, you can find him on Twitter at GabeHoward29, or you can go to GabeHoward.com, and you should definitely check out the Psych Central podcast. They have fantastic conversations over there if you want to connect with nate you can find him at nm crawford on twitter or you can go to here here you can go to their twitter what's the website for here here is it here here.org yes it is here here that's h-e-r-e-h-e-a-r.org or you can find them on twitter or you can listen to that podcast uh, if you want to connect with Steve, you can find him at I am Steve Austin on social media or gracesmessy.com. You can find me at Robert Vore on all social media or at robert-vore.com. Oh, that's a lot of information right there. Man, you nailed it. Made it through, and then we have a sweet closing voiceover that'll tell you how to connect with CXMH. Any final words, Nate, Gabe, or Steve? No, thanks for being yeah. here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us. All yeah, right. thanks so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. That might be the neatest ending we've had to an episode yet. I like it. Thank you guys both for being here. Go connect with these guys, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note, if you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.
273-8255.